try. Hello, yes. Very good morning. So good to be here with you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, Jesus keeps healing, saving people, creating new beginnings, new stories. So good to be here with you. And I have the privilege to share the word of God with you. I'll invite you to open in Ephesians chapter 4. If you're watching on YouTube or if you are here for the first time, welcome. We are Crawley Community Church and we are a church. And, and this is obvious, but when we talk about church, I was sharing two weeks ago about this. Some of us, we have memories about church. Some of us, we don't. We're just arriving now. Um, Guys like me, for example, my best stories there are about church because I was raised in the church and the best jokes, the funny moments, sad moments, happy moments, everything was around church. For example, uh, some time ago I remember to share about that dear brother who used to sleep in every, in every service, in every gathering. The same wood pew, the same corner. You know, people who sit always in the same place in the church, oh, we don't have this here. And then was near to the wall, and then, and, and some churches in different cities, countries, places, they are different. We have, for example, in Brazil, we have this famous church. The name is Snowball Church, is the name. And the pulpit is a um, surfer board. Surfer board is the right word for surf? Surfboard. Surfboard, yeah. It's the pulpit in every, in every church, a big denomination, Snowball school. Uh, some churches, they are very, uh, you know, dark church, black walls, very, very dark. And I preached many times in this kind of church. And once I remember I sat in someone because it was so dark and I sat on someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just realized five minutes later. I'm joking, of course. But I did sit on Bibles or phones. <laughs> Many times, and I have all this variety and diverse church, like this church, for example, have different nationalities and backgrounds and people from different nations. And then it's funny because when we have different cultures, every culture thinks that his own culture or, uh, or her own culture is better than this culture. And then we have all this mix. Oh, I think the church should be like this or this kind of music, this kind of gathering, this kind. So I have all this. Opinions about churches. Uh, some of us, we had our best experience and memories in church camps and all of this stuff. Some of us, the saddest, the painful memories. It's about church as well. When someone from the church hurted you or... And then, that's fine. We have these different churches in Africa, for example, uh, with friends from Africa. They keep saying that in some places, uh, they have no time to finish the service uh, or to start, depending where. And, but this raised the question, okay, but do we have any kind of guidance about how should be a church? Something more than just this uh, shallow thing time or if we should have drums or keyboards or white walls or, or dark or black walls, something deeper. How should be a healthy church, a New Testament church? Yes, we do. In that famous book, what's the name? Bible. 
is in your shelf or in your phone. And, and that part, New Testament, teach us how should be a healthy church. I want to share this with you. Two weeks ago, I was sharing about this apostolic gift, the five ministries inside the church. And we keep talking about this uh, this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. I was two weeks ago as well uh, in, what's the name, Albania. And it was a beautiful picture about church because I was there in this leadership conference with 30 or 35 different nationalities, more than 250 leaders with all these nationalities in this conference. And it's beautiful to see what Jesus is doing in his church across many nations. What God's doing in Iran, there's a, a powerful revival in that nation. Jesus keeps healing, restoring people. I remember in January this year, uh, me and Giovanni, we were in Turkey. And I remember to share this with Steve. I remember, Steve, what's happening in Turkey? I, I don't see churches. And I was sad in my heart. I remember to pray in a hotel in the Airbnb that we were saying, God, where's our church here? And, and, and such a different culture. The church is there. It's just growing and growing and growing. And Jesus is working in different nationalities and countries that you had no, I had no idea. Jesus keeps healing people, baptizing with the Holy Spirit, bringing people to the cross, salvation, salvation, salvation. So in this conference in Albania, I was listening about his church with different backgrounds and nationalities. People getting saved in a very different way. Yemen or all these countries under severe persecution, Jesus is there. The gates of hell will never prevail. There is power in the gospel. There's the power of God in the church of Jesus Christ. And when you see these guys from Armenia, Israel, all these nationalities doing amazing stuff, I was there and I thought, wow, I'm part of something amazing. Huge. When somebody asks me, what, what do you do? What's your job? I love it. I work in this global enterprise. And we have feed programs. We have help for the poor. And the whole world, the name is church. So church, it's a beautiful thing. came from God's heart. It's a privilege to be part of his church. In Ephesians 4, I want to read with you some parts of the text but this letter two weeks ago I was sharing about this letter the context when was written the guy who wrote the letter which is Paul the apostle he is 62 he was in Rome he wrote this letter this was a very important city on those days in the first century is in Turkey uh, and he started the letter in the first verse of the letter he started with this um, <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people. So this letter wasn't for everybody, every person in the face of the earth. No, it was for the church, God's holy people in Ephesus. And for many years, the guys who received the letter, this letter is so good. It was so good that they thought, we need to share with this, with, with all the churches, but 
Our name, Ephesus, is there. Okay. So they took out the word Ephesus from the letter. And they were copying and sending. So every church could read the same thing. And to practice the same thing from this letter. And we are here in the 21st century reading the same letter. The same values. The same anointing. The same instructions and guidance from God. So I, I can replace easily say to the God's holy people in Crowley. The faithful in Christ Jesus. And then we have all the instructions about these letters. In the verse 11, we talked two weeks ago about the five ministries. Let me read here um, verse 11. So Christ himself <clears throat> gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So we spoke about these five ministries. God gave Christ himself. He gave to the church in Crowley, in Ephesus, in Africa, in all these places, local churches. For every local church, God said, okay, there is a way to shape the church, to teach, to teach the church. There is a way that I want to see my church flourishing, growing. I'll give for this church these guys, these gifts. And he gave five different gifts. I'm not saying five guys. Five guys is the... Is the it's a nice hamburger. <laughs> I went once. It's really cool. So I give for the church the five guys. No, I give the five gifts. So we can have more than one person uh, in the church, okay, more than one prophet, more than one evangelist. But you give these five gifts to shape, to help the church. And you're going to see why. So these five gifts that we have, they exist to serve you in your gift. To make you stronger, mature. What's your gift? Oh, I don't know what's my gift. These five guys, they will help you to find out what's your gift. And to sharp and to, make, and to polish, to make bright your gift. So these five ministries, they exist to serve the church. They are givers. They are not takers. They are taking advantage for, from the church. They are giving for the church. So in many nations, the wrong understanding this is, okay, so we have pastors or teachers or apostles. And in some places, they understand this as a hierarchy or a title. It's very important to highlight this because maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you're just watching on YouTube and, ah, how is this church? So let me highlight this. We don't believe in this. We believe to honor to respect. The Bible is full of instructions about this, but, but we don't understand this as a title that make a pastor or apostle more important than everybody in the church, and the church should serve this big guy in the headquarter with a special car parking, with a fancy car, and, and, and bodyguards, and all of this. We believe that these gifts are for our days. They are real. They exist. Uh, but when we say we have apostles, we are not saying, oh, we have the same apostle like Paul, Peter, John. We have the gift for the church. Because the apostles and prophets in chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 20, says, says that the apostles and prophets, they laid foundations for the church. The foundations, right? You have your Bible. It's complete. It's there. The scripture is there. But we need to relay that foundation, the same one. So not as a title, a famous guy, very with 
private jets and flying to everywhere. Oh, the apostle is here. No, but they exist to serve God's people. Now, let's jump to the text. Ephesians chapter 4. Why they are there? Let's read from 12. To equip his people. You see, the people belongs to Jesus, not the apostles' people, the pastors' people, his people. For works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In the next verse, 14. Then we will no longer be infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves. And blow here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about this part of Ephesians this morning. Lord Jesus, I ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to open our minds and hearts to understand these values, the virtues behind every phrase of this verse. To help us to grow or to go deep, to be rooted in the scriptures. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So, I do believe the church has an internal and external mission. External. We have something to do outside. Every day where we are. Workplace, university, friends, coffee shop, and everywhere. External mission and internal mission. Let's start with the first one. First, preaching the truth is part of our external mission. Missions, evangelism, all these names. And this word truth in our days is very dangerous. Because now there is no truth above all the other truth. It's just my truth, your truth, my perspective, your opinion, my opinion. And when we say I'm preaching the truth... Well, this is your truth. I do respect. But it's not the truth. Nobody has the truth. And the Bible says the very opposite. This, the Bible says that the pillar and foundation of the truth is the church of the living God. So in other words, the Bible is saying the church has this message, the truth that the word needs. So it's the first mission, external mission, outside. Second, to defend the truth. And Paul says, I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. Why this is so important nowadays? Well, it's obvious. Because we are living in times that we need to explain the obvious. Another day in Canada, the, this boy just got arrested because he said that a man cannot be pregnant. And this is offensive. Even the obvious thing in biology, we need to defend and explain in the truth. And now, why this is, 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 is dangerous in our days? Because we have churches preaching against the truth of the Bible. doesn't make sense. Churches attacking the truth. Christians against the truth, the very truth that they're supposed to defend or to preach. So it's very confused. Today, 
So these days, when we say, okay, we have an external mission to preach the truth or to defend the truth, to have a position, a clear position about the things that we love and we believe, wow, this is a big, is a big, big uh, situation. Now, I have some quotes. I love quotes and all this kind of stuff I always bring for these PowerPoints. And I love this one. I love to repeat this one. I make my girls to memorize. Uh, a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. Um, now, the Bible has a category or a teaching about those who are supposed to speak the truth, to defend the truth, but instead of this, they are attacking the truth, they are very against the truth. The way that we speak the truth is a different thing. We don't need to be offensive. We don't do, we'll talk about this in a few minutes. But the Bible uh, has some names for these guys. So when it comes for false teachers, the New Testament uses some very interesting words. I have a list here. Fasten your seat bells. Um, some about those let me repeat this about those who are false teachers the bible is not talking about those who doesn't know the truth those who are not they need to know the truth but those who are standing behind pulpits like this or on sunday morning and teaching wrong things in the church so short list bible called them dogs which is negative <laughs> It was very negative in those days. Or churches or synagogues of Satan. Brood of vipers. Whitewashed tombs. Jesus, you see, in John chapter 8, sometimes we have this European Jesus in our minds. But the Jesus in the Bible, he's the, uh, he's the perfect reference because the Bible calls him a lamb. And a lamb, you, you see, full of compassion and love and grace. And it's true. For example, he was walking and he saw Jerusalem. Without any provocation, nobody saying nothing. He started to weep. And he wept, looking to the city. And he said, wow, Jerusalem, how many times I tried. And I wish to have you under my wings like a chicken. So it's, it's beautiful. He went in a funeral of Lazarus, his friend, and he wept. Identification with the human pain. Full of compassion, moved by his own compassion. We keep reading this in the New Testament. This is a lamb. In John chapter 8 and many other places, and even in Revelation, you see the lion. So you see Jesus is standing against false teachers and saying, Jesus didn't say, oh, what you are teaching, guys, is not right. Jesus didn't say, it's not okay, your perspective. Jesus said, Jesus said, you are sons of the devil. The devil is your father and you're trying to please your father because he's a liar and you are liars. It's Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, it's not me. Jesus said, well, away from me, 
I never knew you, your evildoers. It's Jesus. So is the lion defending the truth, speaking against false teachers. I have another words, like your father's devil, blind guides, and doctrine of demons. It's some words that the Bible uses. You see, now, a few more. A pastor, very... Uh, friend of us he had, he had 2013 2013 he launched this book called gagging jesus thinks jesus said we wish he hadn't and i love this quote it's easy to settle for a tamed and domesticate jesus abound in gag jesus i wouldn't say boo to a goose jesus a jesus of our own making we love this hello kitty jesus but the mission, the external mission of the church is to preach and to defend the truth. We see this in Paul, we see this in Jesus, and, and actually there's a reason why Jesus got killed. There's a reason, reason why the disciples got killed, because they spoke plainly, clearly, passionately about the truth. They lost their lives because of the truth. Well, but we are living in these times of, um, what's the word, polarization. So, Danny, what you're saying, you must do. So, it's, you have all these angry and harsh Christians like uh, Christian snipers uh, looking someone to shoot in the name of discernment and biblical doctrine. Is another extreme. But on the other hand, I do, I do think that many in the name of politeness and nicety, are tolerating things that God doesn't. Tolerating things that the scripture doesn't tolerate. You see, I don't know your age or if you're watching this on YouTube later or, or this Sunday or if you're here, solid teenagers, depending on your age, in four or five years, you'll be finishing your university degree and it's nice it's a great season in your life depending on age in 15 years you start to realize inside 15 years that many of your dreams will not come true or inside of 20 years you start to realize that your beauty and strength are being consumed Inside 30 years, you start to look towards death, that. But for all of us here this morning, in 100 years, you will be dead. More than this, all the memories about you and me, everything about us, you'll be dead. For some of us, when we die, we will stand before God and you listen from Him. Welcome, faithful and good servant. But for many, many of us, we will hear another thing. Away from me, I never knew you, evildoers. So Jesus is not only about your life or your self-esteem, you need to deal with him about your destiny, eternal destiny. 
And if you're here this morning, or I'm not a Christian, or you know that God is real. You know in your heart. There's something in you, some kind of testification, the information that you have from somewhere that God is real. You know that God put in every person this conscience. Even they're not coming to churches. We wore, I, I received amazing gift for my birthday from Steve and Cass. We went to see, I'm very 80s, I love 80s. We went to see Back to the Future musical. Amazing, Martin Mike Fly. There's someone home, Martin Mike Fly, I love it. And there was a part of the musical that for me was amazing lesson about the gospel. The moment, if you watch it, Back to the Future, the first one, the moment where Martin Mike Fly, George Mike Fly, Martin's father, he punched uh, Beef. Yeah? And that scene, that Beef was holding his arm and he punched. Yeah. So we had this in a musical. The crowd, everybody was clapping. Yeah! And that moment, so okay, every person here, they have a sense of justice about what is right, what is wrong. And if you are here for the first, second, third time, if you're watching, you know that God is real. And you know that at some point we will stand before him. And you have information enough. You know what I'm doing now, this very moment? Preaching the truth. I don't believe in hell, Daniel. Well, nothing changed because of your opinion. Oh, I don't believe this is good. Okay. Doesn't matter. Um, this is to preach, to defend the truth. There is a God full of mercy and love and salvation, but there is a condemnation. And, and for those who are not under Jesus' blood. And this is, the, oh, but we don't like this part. So to preach the truth, to defend the truth, is the external mission of the church. Not like as a Christian's diapers, but also not tolerating things that God doesn't. And I want to focus a bit more. All of this was just introduction. <laughs> in our internal mission of the church. So, what's the internal mission of a local church? Okay, this external mission is beautiful. Oh, I need to do this and etc. What's the internal mission? The church, every church was developed and organized within uh, some structure. Like I was saying, the five ministries and everything that God has for his church. What's the internal mission is there? Equip his people for works of service. So externally, we do all these things. But inside, internally, equip God's people for consumerings, to be consumers. To come to the church, to be served, to come to the church and to have lunch later on. Oh, I don't think the worship was nice this morning or that guy with weird accent. No, no. Equip people to serve. Works of service. This is internal mission. We don't need to recreate another mission. We don't need to recreate something fancy or new. We don't need to fill the service with entertainment all the time to keep the people happy and to make them feel pleasure. And, and we need to equip people for works of service. Oh, this sounds heavy. Oh, I don't want work. I work for, in my life. Uh, Monday to Friday or weekends and shift and all of this. I don't want to work more in church. 
Well, this is not biblical. The word for work in the Bible is this Greek word, diakonia. And the meaning is service among others, to serve. So we have lots of examples of diakonia or service in the church in the New Testament. Lots of examples. What I'm doing now, the Bible calls diakonia. You are serving God's people with your gift. For example, Paul, the apostle, the preacher. There was a situation in his life that a church gave to him a money, an offering to take to another church. There was no online service bank. So it was literal. He took in the bag. He put in his horse, whatever it was. And he was traveling to serve that church with that money. And the word in Greek for this situation was diakonia. In other words, everything you do inside the church to serve people is God's service. So... Some people think, okay, uh, I, I, I cannot serve in the church because I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to play. I don't know how to look after kids. What, am, what are you doing in the church? Everything is special. Everything is to serve. And, and let me tell you something. The only thing that brings meaning to our lives is when you serve someone. You see... We have very rich people now addicted in cocaine and killing themselves. They have all the money you can imagine. But I don't know if you had this experience before. When you help someone, when you serve a meal to someone, when you pay an energy bill for someone who is in need, how do you feel? You feel pleasure. You feel some joy. It's so good to serve. So good to help someone, and then because of you, that family is being blessed by something. If you're looking for a purpose in your life, and all these psychologist clinics are packed with people looking for purpose, it's very fancy, and it is to talk about looking for my purpose. Let me tell you something: your purpose you be when you do your gift to serve, and you perform your gift to serve someone. Without take advantage from that person. When you do, if you pray, you're a prophet. If you are, whatever is your gift. If you're hosting people in the church, if you're doing to someone, you're opening your house for someone. You have time. You have a car to give a lift. You have a tea or a coffee. You know how to bake a cake. Invite when you serve someone, you start to serve God's people, and then you not feel depressed anymore. You don't feel alone anymore. You see, it's a chain. These five ministries equipping the church to serve the whole family of God. This is a biblical church. It doesn't matter if the, there's a surfboard in the pulpit. or if the, well, You see, it doesn't matter. If what is being preached is biblical, all the other stuff we can do about the time, the length of the service. But it has to be biblical. And what's the result of this? Oh, it's beautiful. I want to be part of this church. Unity in the faith. It's not the unity in the opinion. It's not unity about political views. It's in the faith. It's something deeper. So when you see a church very, very split and divide about what they believe, it's not a mature church. That means the five ministers are not serving that church. And that means that People are not serving each other, but the result of this teaching from these five minutes to the whole church and the whole church being involved, 
How can I serve you? How can I make your ministry easier? How, come on, I can do this. I take this for that. Unity in faith, knowledge of the Son of God, and boom, maturity. Maturity. Why this is so important. The text to explain why this is so important. Paul, so that means to equip God's people, diakonai, to serve people. That means they're not only consumer, and not in that rule 80 slash um, 20. Uh, 20% of people doing 80% of work. No, it's everybody helping. It's everybody doing. This, this will honor Jesus. Yeah. Unity in the faith. Knowledge of Jesus. And maturity. Do you know how it's to deal with immature people? It's hard. That's why. The second thing. In the internal mission. Doctrinal soundness. Is right? Yeah. To sound doctrine, teaching. Why sound doctrine is important? Some people say, I don't like this word doctrine. Sounds like role. It's teaching. Okay, it's just semantic problem. Let's call it teaching. Teaching, sound teaching, not wrong teaching. This is so important, so important. Because today, my friend, there's crazy stuff out there. And some places, there's a circus. And some places, they say that... Oh, you see people, I'm not joking. There's many things outside there. You see people because, oh, we do have the Holy Spirit. They are rolling the ground. They are climbing walls. They are doing crazy stuff. It's not biblical. It's not sound. It's not right. Why? Because there is a lack of biblical teaching. The five ministers, the teachers. Well, let me use a good example from this church. When it's good, we give the name. Ken is very clear. Ken it is an amazing teacher. It's amazing. So I spoke with Ken. I don't know if he was watching this later on. And I said, Ken, you're such a brilliant teacher. I thought I could teach the Bible, but when I end with Ken, I just be quiet, taking notes of everything. And I said, Ken, we need to create somehow a form to bring back a biblical uh, school, whatever is the name. Sunday school, Bible school. But Everybody's so busy with everything. We need to create. I don't know how. He was so happy because before I finished my sentence, he said, yes, yes, let's do it. Because it's his gift. It's amazing. So we need to teach. And he sent me amazing PDFs and something that he has called the pillar of the truth. And was checking everything. It's beautiful. So the church can be mature. Doctrinal soundness is the five-year ministry. So why this is so important, Paul? Well, well. Because then we will no longer be infants, be kids. Yeah. Now, the negative part of to be a child is, well, you are not stable, instable, what's the word? Unstable? Instable, yeah. And it's obvious you are immature. You see, if you have kids, or when you were a child, you remember, you give a toy, a new toy for that Boy or go to play after half an hour, they want another toy. And, and, and if you want to see a war, a third war in your lounge, it's just call another kid and give that toy to another kid. Wow, it's mine. You don't need to teach them to be selfish. It's there. All of us. We have this bias, is the word. It's there as instinct. 
And after half an hour or complaining in supermarket, eh, I want that toy, and then you give that toy, and then later on they're playing with something else. They keep changing. They're not stable. They keep changing. What the Bible is saying, a church without these five ministries, without the sound doctrine, we have this kind of Christians. Every month they are believing in a new wave of biblical teaching. They have no good foundations. They have new teachings in everywhere. They keep searching for something new. There's addiction in varieties. You have all these YouTube preachers. And he say amen for this guy. And amen for this guy. And amen for this one. And he comes to the church. And he thinks the church should be like this or like that. And he believes in different stuff. Because he's not stable. He's like a child. It's the language that the word... Uh, is, is, is using here. And also it's really easy to manipulate a child. Oh, mom, I want this now. Okay, now we're way back. We, <laughs> we buy it. And it's done. After half an hour, the kid's not crying for that toy anymore. And you manipulate. It's easy to manipulate immature people. That's why you have wolves in different places in Christian churches. You see, Acts chapter 20, verse 29, Paul said, Guys, for a group of elders of a church in Ephesus, the same church, Paul said to them, Guys, I know after I leave, because he was traveling to someone else to serve another church, he was an apostle. After I leave, among you will come, you rise, wolves, savage wolves. And they will not spare the flock. He wasn't talked about outside of you, external. He was saying, saying inside of the church, wolves. So if you are infants, if you are immature, the wolves, they are in everywhere in this Christian world. So what he's saying, without sound doctrines, it's easy to manipulate. It's easy to take their money. It's easy to have emotional kidnap with someone. You need to come to my church. Otherwise, oh, it's a sin. I met some guys. And they, this is unbelievable. So this big apostle in my country in Brazil. Uh, you had to pay to be under his spiritual cover or authority. Monthly. So you pay. And there's different fees to pay. So depending on your fee, they pray more for you. There's this guy in the north of Brazil where you need to take your shoes off to be barefoot, to go inside of his office to talk to him because it's a holy ground. Another day, this guy was preaching. And someone brought uh, um, water to him to preach. He was preaching, and I think it was coffee. <coughs> Someone was bringing water. And the way that the person gave the water was like this. The person came. It was a big stage to deliver the water. When the person was near to this guy, like this. Why I know many of these stories? Because I was this guy dealing with pastors coming from these places with their wives, Totally destroyed. Totally undone. 
no sound doctrine, no sound teaching, not biblical theology from the pulpit. But if you go to the service, oh, it's amazing. It's a show. It's a concert. It's a lot of entertainment. People do, are not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying, that good music is not good. Of course, it's nice, it's good, but the Bible has to be the center of the service. The biblical teaching has to be the backbone, the spine of a healthy church. When healthy churches don't have biblical teaching, they keep feeling, putting a lot of stuff to make people happy. Then they will no longer be infants. Another picture that Paul uses is like a boat without an anchor, tossed back and forth by the waves. Now I believe in this, now I believe in that. Oh, let's go for the seven days of deliverance. And if I'm not present and the third day, I need to come back to the beginning of the queue again. <sighs> tossed back here and there, tossed back here and there. Believe in this, believe in that. Without foundation, without the anchor, immature. And we need to give some names. Who is behind of this? Evil people, evil men, is what the Bible is saying. Now, the idea here of the Greek language is someone who rolls uh, dice as well, and manipulates results. It's to cheat. It's lies. It's a... So, I will finish. It's 11.30 and we will pray, but I have this invite for you. God has invited you for internal and external mission in this local church. Because this is your context. If you're in another church, you need to do this over there. That's fine. But we are here. Are you with this in your heart? Okay, God, how can I serve this local church with my gift? So I don't know what my gift is. Okay, come speak with us. We have five ministers here who can serve you to find your or I have challenged to defend the truth in my external world. Okay, come, let's, let's help you together. Because mature Christians, they will see all these wolves. And they will understand, okay, this is an unhealthy church. And these wolves, they will see a mature church. And they will feel afraid of these guys. Because they are rooted in the truth. So the mature church is not made by made by immature children or boats without anchor but for what's the word warships <laughs> ocean liners is the word <laughs> strong boats yeah. strong mature people those who love the scriptures and they stand to serve one another let's pray let's stand Lord Jesus, only your Holy Spirit can do some things. We can preach, we can teach, we can have the whole series about healthy New Testament church. But only your Holy Spirit can touch hearts. Only your Holy Spirit can change minds and intentions. Only your Holy Spirit can make your church grow. So I pray in this very moment, asking for the power of the Holy Spirit in these words. Because these words, without power, is just word. It's just something uh, without any effect. But we, with your power, these words can be rooted in every heart here this morning. 
and can create changes in this local church, in our personal lives, in our families. So I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you for your patience. God bless you.